Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? It's so awesome. So proud of what God is doing in this church. And so many people, it's like coming, coming home uh, to so many people I see out there that I know. And then there's a ton of people I've never met you before in my life. So if the sermon is bad, you can rejoice that next week you'll be back to a good sermon. And, uh, but I'm telling you, what a joy it is for me to come back into this house and see what God is doing, to see two services going now and to see all the kids that are downstairs and, uh, you know, really being blessed and being taught the foundations of God's word and to see the life and to feel the faith that is in this room is really a remarkable thing. And to just hear the stories, Matt was leaning over just talking so good about all of you. And uh, it was so good. I didn't believe him that it was that good, but, uh, but I do. I actually do. As I meet you, I just, I'm so thankful. Thank you for being faithful to God's house and thank you for serving so graciously with our son, Matt, and with Hillary. I'm so proud of their leadership and our, you know, I'm just thankful for the staff and the team. Dream City, there's campuses, uh, now 10 campuses total, which is exciting to see what God has done. And in a year's time right here, uh, just over a little over a year and a half, this congregation has, has doubled in size, meaning that we're reaching our community outside and the best is yet to come. And so I just wanna say greetings from Phoenix and Pastor Luke and Angel Barnett are really our senior pastors over Dream City Church. So thankful to get to serve alongside. A year and a half ago, made the decision uh, to go and serve at the Scottsdale campus there in Arizona and oversee the California campuses at the same time, which is really easy to do with leaders like Matt and Hillary. And so, so I'm so thankful to be a part. So it's like coming home for me, spent 22 years of our lives here in Cal Southern California, serving this church, what was family church, now Dream City. And so you can understand how proud and why I'd be so proud of what God is doing today. So love you all and appreciate you. And as Pastor Matt was making the announcement for these trees that are sitting in the parking lot, just waiting for a miracle to happen, Seven trees were sold in the first service. And I thought, isn't that awesome? Now here's the thing, we have 23 left. And I thought to myself, well, okay, make it 22 because I'll buy a tree to give away. And I'm wondering if there's 22 more in the house that'll say, I'll get those trees off your hand. Raise your hand if you'll do it. Two, three, four, okay. I would do it again, but then, uh, you know, there'd just be too much pressure for everybody. But let's get rid of those trees. Let's bless some homes, all right? Some of them are, you know, those of you who raised your hand, they're $1,000 a piece. They're, they're all covered. No, I'm teasing. All right. Awesome. They're all covered. Well, we're in this series that we've titled all across all of our campuses, Christmas Playlist, taking the songs of Christmas and looking at the scripture of the real meaning of what Christmas is all about. Pastor Brad, Matt brought the message this past week, Joy to the World. What a great song. But what a great announcement that came. I come to bring you good news of great joy that'll be to all people. And I love that message because what God comes to bring, he brings to people from all walks of life. 
And he brought it to a people who were not close to him to begin with, but he's giving out gifts to people that he loves. He's created all of us in his image. And even when we're not right with God, he comes bearing gifts. And that's good news of great joy, not just great joy, but mega joy. There's enough for everybody. And the gift is on a shelf low enough that we can all get to because God wanted to give this gift to everybody the gift of joy. And we know that joy isn't just found in God sprinkling joy on people's lives. Oh, you be joyful, be joy. It is his presence in people's lives. There's great joy because there's salvation. Well, today I wanna bring a message that I've titled, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And before I get into that message, I like to pray one more time and just ask God to open our hearts. Would you join me? Father, in the next few moments as we open your word, I pray that every heart, God, would receive this good news of great joy. Lord, in these gifts that you have for each and every one, I pray that you bless each one that we'd walk out of here filled with your presence like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. It was the winter of 1860 in Cambridge, Massachusetts that the family of Henry Longfellow Uh, They were preparing for the idyllic Christmas. Every year they would gather and they loved to hear the bells of Christmas, especially on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, they would open their window and they'd hear the bells chiming on the steeple of the church. They would hear the bells of the the sleigh bells kind of going as the horse and, 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 and carriage would go by. They loved to hear the bells of Christmas. Well, Longfellow was married to a beautiful woman named Fanny. They had five children and they just loved it. They were filled with joy and Longfellow himself was known as one of the greatest poets who ever lived in America. In fact, he rivaled many poets from around the world and everyone knew of his writings. They knew of his poetry. He was known throughout the community. Everybody knew Henry Longfellow. Well, he begins to write a poem. It's one that he became most famous for called Christmas Bells. And as he writes this poem, he talks about the joys of Christmas. And as he goes through that whole poem, you'll feel the life's tragedies begin to come. Because it wasn't long that the thankful words from this great poet, the pen became silent and he stopped writing this fine poetry that God had gifted him to write. But at the beginning of this poem, he writes, I heard the bells on Christmas day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. But his pen was silenced by grief because tragedy struck the Longfellow family in 1861. In 1861, not only did the Civil War begin and the cannons begin to go and the guns begin to fire and the country was divided and all that was taking place, there was no peace that was filling the earth. But on top of that, later in July, his wife was just doing normal things, activities around the house, and they would wear the big prairie dresses. You know, the 1800s was a, what a great day to live in the 1800s. Thank God for central heat, everybody. But uh, she had the big dress, and the back of her dress caught the candle, and the candle lit her dress on fire. Her whole dress went up in flames. And Henry Longfellow tried to put the fire of the flames out on her, covered her with his body, but she suffered the tragic death 
through the flames of that fire. He suffered third degree burns all throughout his body. He could not even go to her funeral because he was in such bad shape that he couldn't even attend his own wife's funeral. Tragedy struck that year and the pen of the poet was silenced. Everyone wanted to hear more poetry from Longfellow, but there was no more song in the heart. There were no more bells ringing on Christmas Day. And you say, well, Dave, how do you know the story? You just read the poem itself as it reads. That Christmas, Longfellow wrote in his own journal, how inexpressibly sad are all holidays. I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence, he said. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. The following Christmas, Longfellow's journal reflected his ongoing sorrow. A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. Almost a year later, more bad news would come to Longfellow's home after receiving word that his eldest son, Charles, who was a lieutenant in the Union Army, had been severely wounded and handicapped for the rest of his life. He continues to write his poem, Christmas Bells, and it takes a turn from the joys to the sorrows of life. He writes, then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then on Christmas of 1863, Longfellow's journal grows silent. Three long years of heartbreak left him speechless without writing, questioning his faith. And the poem continues, with darkness shrouding the once merry and bright, the way it starts, he writes, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Finally, on Christmas day of 1864, Longfellow's grief finally subsided enough for him to pen the words to the conclusion of, I heard the bells on Christmas day. And he writes, with hope filled heart, then pilled the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. For 150 years, that poem has brought comfort into people's lives because now that song is be, that poem has become a song. It has now become a movie that you can watch. It just came out last year. I heard the bells. If you want to watch that movie, what a great family Christmas movie to watch. It was Sight and Sounds films that put that together. It's a beautiful film. You can find it on iTunes. I get a proceed from each. No, I'm telling, I don't get anything. <laughs> But if you want to watch a great Christmas movie with your family, it tells the whole story of Henry Longfellow, true story about the poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Well, the story itself is such a wonderful thing as he talks about the tragedies of life and you start thinking about the Christmas story. I heard the bells on Christmas day with peace on earth, goodwill to men. You gotta ask yourself, where does that line even come from? And of course we know it comes from the very first Christmas in Luke chapter two, where we learned last week that the angel had come to give this great announcement in verse eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. 
Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The word you learned last week is mega joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there will be, there was a multitude of angels of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God on the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What an announcement! 2,000 years ago, that very first Christmas, the game changer moment for humanity where God himself stepped out of heaven, clothed himself with humanity, and set forth the peace, the peace plan that he had in motion for thousands of years and bringing peace to this world in a very unconventional way. The promise of this Savior was given 700 years before. So you can understand why the, why the angels of heaven would sing as a choir of angels singing as we sing in the Christmas song. Why are they shouting such joy in the song? Because it had been 700 years since they heard the announcement of the peace plan God was bringing to the world where they said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The time had come for God to step out of heaven into this earth, and the Bible says that he would come in such a way that the world would know that he is here. He makes the announcement to some lowly shepherds. I love the announcement that he makes. It's not with a parade. It's not with some big announcement. It's not to the most important people in the world. He's letting the world know that he's coming for all people. This is news for everybody, that he is the savior of the world. For unto us a child is born, and his name will be called Prince of Peace. You know, if he's the Prince of Peace, and if the announcement is, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men, I don't know what world you're living in. I think it's the same world I'm living in. It sounds like a contradiction to me because I don't see a whole lot of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can I get down and dirty on Christmas this season and just tell you some truth about Christmas? I love the Christmas carols. I love the Christmas songs. I love the Christmas trees. I love the Christmas songs. I love it all. I love the family. I love the food. I love it all. But friends, I got to tell you, I don't see a lot of peace on earth, goodwill to a man. What is it in the world that contradicts with this wonderful prophecy that is fulfilled that Jesus has come to bring peace into the world? Because at the same time that he is called Prince of Peace, there's an announcement made 30 years later after he is born where he goes public in his ministry and Jesus makes a statement that is recorded in Matthew chapter 10 that says, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, which is it, Lord? Are you bringing peace or are you bringing a sword? And the answer is both. Because the kind of peace that Jesus brings is not the same peace that we look at in the world today to say, why is there so much conflict and why is there so much war? Why is there so much division and why is there so much pain? Because if it was peace on earth, it'd be that there would be such a calm. 
It'd be that there'd be no more, there'd be no more cancer. There'd be no more war. There'd be no more hatred. There'd be no more shaking of the fist or, or the violence that we see in our land. There must be something more that Jesus came to bring than the peace that we think about when we think about peace on earth goodwill to men. Because the peace I know that Jesus brought as you read scripture and as you follow in his ways, you understand that Jesus did bring a sword. He brought a sword that brought peace into people's lives. And the sword, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In Hebrews, it says his, his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Anytime that Jesus spoke, there was a divide that was created there was the truth that was setting people free. It was cutting the very cords of the bondage of this, of this world on people's lives. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. How many of you know that created a division? That was like a sword in a family that divided father to son, mother to daughter. There was a sword that came that divided a nation that said, we believe in God and God we trust and those who say we don't need it anymore. You straight arm God in our society today. If it were peace on earth, then we would have no more war. We'd have no more division in our country. But friends, there is a dividing line. You know, people who portray Jesus as some sort of pacifist that says, you know what? The wars and violence are always unjustifiable. We would have never had salvation because the very thing Jesus went through was violence. He took violence upon his own life so that we didn't suffer the violence that we deserved. Are you with me? The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So Jesus took the death of all of us on himself, took it to the cross and nailed it to a tree. He took the beating and the mockery and the spitting and the ridicule. It was violence that came his way. And yet he never lifted a hand against them. Why? Because he was not at war like we think of war. He was laying his life down. He wasn't wounded because he got weak. He was wounded because he was strong. He was wounded because he kept himself level-headed and straightforward on the mission that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, war is going to be in our lifetime all around us. Division will always be before us. There will always be... Merry Christmas, everybody. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to help you understand what Christmas is really all about and the true joys of Christmas and the true peace of Christmas. You can behold, you can have a hold of and it will never let you go when you understand the price that was paid for the real peace that God brings. Because it's not just signing a peace treaty and saying, lay down your guns. This peace goes beyond human comprehension. This peace guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This peace is a peace that only God can give and the world can't take away. I'm trying to tell you that this Christmas, even though there's chaos all around you and your family or whatever you're going through, you can experience the gift of peace this Christmas like never before because you know the Prince of Peace. He's so good to us and he loves us so much. You know, not everyone will accept this message, but the Bible says greater love has no one than this, than he that lays down his life for his friends. Of course, speaking of Jesus laying his life down on the cross. Well, how did that come? It came through violence. Isaiah 53 says 
that Jesus was going to come. This is 800 years before he came on this earth. This announcement was made in Isaiah 53. It was our grief he bore, our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. Jesus in his nail scarred hand held the peace plan for the world around us. He took it for you and for me, but it would cost him his life. You know, this past October, our nation, the world mourned as an unexplainable evil happened in the nation of Israel. 1,400 Israeli Jewish men, women and children, mothers, fathers, grandchildren, friends, neighbors lost their lives as a result of a terrorist act. And today, Israel is at war with Hamas. People are confused in our country as to, you know, waving Palestinian flags and saying there are innocent lives that are, that are dying. And they're, they're confused because they're wondering why the church of Jesus Christ would stand with Israel not understanding that they're the people of God, not understanding that that was a terrorist act and not understanding that it, peace is beyond just a peace treaty and laying down weapons. Sometimes you have to fight to experience peace in your life. If we didn't have armies and if we didn't have borders and if we didn't have all these things in our country, how many of you know we'd be overrun by evil? Do you understand? There's a time for war and there's a time for earthly peace. And the time for Israel to fight for their country and for their people is now. But that's not the kind of peace that God brings, everybody. Are you with me? I'm saying there's a higher profile of peace than just a peace treaty and saying lay down the... So friends, we gotta... We gotta we, if somebody came up and punched my wife in the nose, do you think I'd just stand there, you know, Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do? I don't know what Jesus would do, but I'll tell you what Dave will do. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah you clap for that. Well, <laughs> I would, you may want to clap at the John 3.16 stuff too. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, don't be confused by the wars that are happening around you. Don't be confused that Jesus didn't come to just bring you know, a worldly kind of peace into the world. That day is coming. But friends, that day comes in heaven, everybody. When we cross this line into the next eternal life and we experience life eternal with God where he says he creates a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more weeping, there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more cancer, there'll be no more war, there'll be no more sin. We'll be one with God and we'll be worshiping him. There'll be no more night, no more darkness. It'll just be shining bright, the glory of God. And there'll be healing and all. you'll have a new heavenly body, everybody. So eat all the tamales you want right now. I'm telling you, be set free in Jesus' name name. All right. So no matter what's going on around you, there's a peace that goes beyond it. The promise is recorded. He shall be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Only Jesus, maker of heaven and earth, can offer heavenly peace. We sing the carol during Christmas time, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. But is it really? I don't know about you, but in my family, there's trouble. In my family, there's some chaos. 
How many families can say, I, I can give you a witness? Don't look at them right now, just raise your hand real quietly. Yeah, because we all have it. I tell people, I said, you know, I have family roots, but the roots are all twisted, all right? And uh, that's, that, how many of you have a messed up family? Raise your hand. Those of you who aren't raising your hand, you're the messed up family. Okay, it's just, uh, we all have trouble, things that are happening around us. So what is this heavenly peace? I wanna to talk to you for the few, few moments just about the kind of peace that God wants to give you as a gift. And the first kind of peace is the most important kind of peace, and it's called peace with God. Peace with God. Years ago, we had a dog named Todd. If your name is Todd, I apologize, all right? But he was a Dalmatian dog, if you know what Dalmatians, they were popular back in the day when our kids were little, they were watching 101 Dalmatians. I thought it would be cute to buy the dog, the kids, or get a dog that was actually free. I didn't even buy it because I'm too cheap to buy a dog. And uh, we got this dog, Todd. We named him Todd. I think the kids named him. And Todd, he's a Dalmatian. And I didn't read about Dalmatians. I didn't know that Dalmatians needed a lot of room to run. I didn't know that they were high energy dogs. I thought they were calm. I thought they were just like the cartoon. I thought they were friendly and fun. But this dog was high maintenance. This dog was always in trouble. No matter what we did, this dog would get in trouble. And when we had this dog in Ohio, we didn't have a backyard that had a fence. So we had to get an electronic fence so that Todd wouldn't go out and do damage to everybody else. And so we put up, and Todd would calculate. You would see his mind going. He's like, I'm gonna cross this fence. I know it's going to hurt, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And he'd get a running start and he'd go past the electronic fence in the ground and it would shock him. So he would, he would run and then he'd hit the fence. He'd go, Arr! and he'd roll, and then he'd go on about his merry way. But he knew that there was a price to pay for the sin he was about to commit. I, only dogs, right? Not people. So one day, Todd gets out, and a neighbor comes back, and they're ticked off at us because our dog got loose, which I can understand. He's wreaking havoc on the neighborhood. So they're knocking on the door. And uh, Todd was a Christian dog. I mean, because he was in our house, I figured that he had given his heart to the Lord and he was a Christian dog, but apparently he wasn't. He was living, you know, he was a prodigal dog. He was out doing his own thing, wine, women, and whatever, okay? And, and he gets out and our neighbors ticked off and said, your dog got our dog pregnant. And I said, can't be, our dog's a Christian dog. <laughs> but sure enough, when they had puppies, they brought me one and it had spots and it was Todd. So he was not a Christian dog. He was living a double life. I just want you to know. So Todd's out playing in the yard, doing his own thing. We come back and we open the door and Todd had had an encounter with a skunk and the skunk won and the dog stunk. And we opened the door like we always would and the dog would come running in and we open the door and he runs in and he goes to every room and he's rolling around on the carpet and in the kids' beds and the stink is getting everywhere. Skunk smell is in the whole house. It's so late that there's no stores open. And so we're online trying to figure out how to deal with, how many of you know how to get skunk off a dog? No, but a few of you. God bless you. Where were you all those years ago? And it said, use anything tomato, tomato. So we had tomato soup. We opened up cans of tomato soup. We washed the dog in tomato soup. And Todd's just like, he's enjoying the tomato soup. Soup still stunk. He still smelled like skunk, it did not work. Make a concoction, 
hydrogen peroxide and baking powder. You mix it together and you do that and you wash the dog. Now we smell like skunk. Everything smells like skunk. We can't get it off of anything. And all I can think of is, God, give us an answer to get this smell off this dog. Well, it didn't come until the next day when we actually got some stuff that would take it away. But only a dog, right? would get in that much trouble that they just stink up everything around them. And only a dog, right? No people that you know, don't look at them, just look straight ahead. No, it's all of us. Every single one of us have gone over the boundaries and paid the price and said, ah, we'll just enjoy it for a moment. Only, only, you know, all of us in this place, we've all made mistakes in life that we regret. All of us have some stuff in our life that has messed up other people and influenced their life. And there's an old hymn that we would sing that would say there's only one thing that can wash that away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, it sounds a little gross, I'll tell you, but what it's saying is the only way to get this stain off of you is to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bloodshed Calvary's cross, because he went through a violent suffering for you to be set free and cleansed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse two of that great song says, for my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I plea, oh God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The third verse says, nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. I can't do anything to earn it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I love the fourth verse. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you know that old hymn, but sing it with me if you do. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. We're talking about peace. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Sing that chorus again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for what he's done? Why do we sing that song? Because it's peace with God. 
The only way I know to receive the peace with God is through that precious blood of Jesus on the cross. I mean, you can try to earn your way to God. You can try to work your way. You can try religion. You can try church. You can try giving to charity. You can try all of those things, but nothing will bring you the kind of peace that God brings because he is the prince of peace. People say, well, how do you get this peace? You know, you just received the gift of eternal life. Why? Because Colossians 1.20 tells us, God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ on the Christ cross. Why is it good news of great joy? Because Jesus died for your sins to bring you peace, everybody. It's just wonderful what God has given. Romans 5, 1 says, so now since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace or lasting peace with him because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Well, there's peace with God and two more, and I'm going to be very quick with these. There's the peace of God. Remember, Jesus said, the kind of peace that I give, the world cannot give. It's a peace that goes beyond human understanding. It's a peace beyond circumstances. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So let the bombs fall. Let the wars continue. Let the world tear apart. Let the wife leave you. Let the husband leave you. Let the pink slip come. No matter what comes your way, you cannot lose this kind of peace because this kind of peace comes through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. And I tell you, he doesn't just sprinkle it over your life. He steps into your life and peace comes with him because that's just who he is. So whatever you're going through, invite God into your life and you'll experience peace with God and you'll experience the peace of God. Now, the Bible says that if you're anxious about some things, go to God in prayer with thanksgiving in your heart and make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I don't know what you may be going through, but friends, I know storms of life come, but it doesn't have to determine the peace of God in your mind and in your heart. You know, in the storm that Jesus was in with the disciples, they're all freaking out, thinking that they're going to die. And Jesus was asleep, the Bible says, his head on a pillow. And they said, don't you care if we perish? And he says, where is your faith? Another time, Jesus is walking and the disciples are out there and they're afraid again in the storm. And they see Jesus walking on the water and say, is that you, Lord? If that's you, bid us to come. Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking. And he looks at the wind, the Bible says, and he begins to sink. He started to be afraid. And Jesus said, where's your faith? He took his hand, reached it out, and Peter and Jesus walked back to the boat. Another time, Jesus said to the storm, peace, be still. Sometimes he calms the waters and sometimes he calms the heart. I'm just simply telling you that the storms don't dictate the peace of God. You can have it no matter what's going on in your life and what's going on in the world. It's a peace that the world cannot take away. It's peace with God. 
Someday in heaven, everybody, I'll say it again. We will experience true peace the way that we dream where there's no more sickness and no more pain. But peace doesn't mean that you will not have problems. It just means that the problems will not have you. And finally, I'll say this as we close. There's peace with God. There's the peace of God. But then there's peace with others. And this is where things get a little nervous. Like, don't make me reconcile with that jerk, please. But that's not the kind of peace I'm talking about today. So you're off the hook. I'm talking about a peace that you bring to others. You know, the Bible says that we are to go into the world and share this good news with everybody. In fact, the New Testament talks about in Ephesians that we're to put on the full armor of God and some of that armory, one of the pieces of armory is the shoes filled with the gospel of peace. So that wherever we go, we're peacemakers, but we're bringing the message of the good news that Jesus came for everyone. It's good news of great joy for all people. So this Christmas season, I want to challenge you, Dream City, Long Beach. Wherever you go, be a distributor of peace. Be a bringer of people into the house of God where they can experience the presence of God that will bring the peace of God upon people that they've never experienced before. Wouldn't it be wonderful this Christmas season to see people that in other families, maybe not your own, and maybe you want to invite your family members if they live nearby as well, but you can make a difference in somebody's family by seeing them come to Christ. Be a bringer of people. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says it this way, For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them. That's good news, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. So go tell it on the mountain. Another great song for Christmas. Let the world know that he's a God who loves them and that his kindness is set forth for people to come to know him and he has great gifts of joy and peace and salvation and love that'll change their life. So in the marketplace, in the home, wherever you go, be a bringer of good news. Will you stand for closing prayer? I want to honor the time, and we're way early today. And that's my gift to you this Christmas. <laughs> but I don't want you to go until we've prayed together. In a moment, I want to pray for two groups of people. I want to pray for those of you who you don't have peace with God. You need to reconcile your relationship with God. Maybe you thought coming to church would be an answer, but it just has left a void in your life or religion. Maybe you had a bad experience in the church world in your past. Religion will never do it for you. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's here to offer that to you. He's knocking on your heart's door today. And today is the day to receive the gift of salvation and peace with God. And there's a big group of people here today that you're going through a storm. There's some stuff going on in your life and maybe nobody knows about it, but there's a lot of anxiety in your mind. And you're really battling this thing. And sometimes when you look at the news and you read all that's going on around you, you just somehow lose hope and some things and you start losing that Christmas song and you're not hearing the bells of Christmas anymore. And friends, I'm telling you, there's a peace of God 
that comes when he steps into the center of your life. And I wanna pray for you in a moment. I literally wanna put my hand on your shoulder. I wanna pray for the peace of God in your life today. And we're gonna worship God with a song. And then I'm gonna invite both groups of people to just come forward. In fact, without asking for a raise of hands, I'm gonna do this a little different in this service. You don't have to raise your hand. Whether you need Christ and peace with God or whether you need the peace of God, as we worship God with this song, I'm just gonna invite you to come to the front and just fill this front as though you're receiving a gift from God. You just need some sort of action step, if you will. And by faith, you're just gonna reach up and just say, God, I need you. I, I need you to save me, to change me. I need your peace to fill my mind and my heart. But all of this comes from God. It doesn't come from a man and it doesn't come from prayer. So I'm gonna ask you to make your way and we're gonna worship God with this song. So this service isn't over yet. If you remain in your seat, then you remain in your seat to worship God and give him thanks or to pray for others. But I'm gonna invite you all to come that want this peace that goes beyond understanding to make your way right now as we worship. This is the final song. We're gonna worship God just a couple, just a couple times through and then we're gonna pray.